In November 2009, a 26-year-old medical student decided to go cave exploring with his family and friends in Utah. It was his first time ever entering this cave, and it would be his last. John Edward Jones had just discovered his darkest nightmare. I'm your host, Grandpappy. Strap yourself in. This is going to be a dark ride. John Edward Jones was a young man with some prior caving experience, most of which had come when he was younger. As boys, he and his brother had joined their father many times exploring caves in their home state of Utah. He had also volunteered as a trapped victim for Utah Cave Rescue, which was an organization founded by his father. At 26 years of age, John was a loving husband and father. He had a one-year-old daughter, and his wife was pregnant with their second child. John was attending medical school in Virginia and had come back home just before Thanksgiving to spend time with his family in Utah. A plan was devised among John, his younger brother Josh, and 11 more friends and family to explore a local cave known as Nutty Putty Cave. Almost all caves form in limestone, which over long periods of time is slowly eaten away by slightly acidic groundwater. Nutty Putty is also a limestone cave, but instead of being dissolved by water dripping in from above, it was created from the bottom up by hydrothermal activity. Nutty Putty is what's known as a hypogenic cave, formed when superheated water is forced upward into a bed of limestone, and minerals in the water eat away at the rock above to create cave shafts. These types of caves tend to be complex and typically feature lots of domes and tight squeezes that open into large rooms and then transition back into tight squeezes again. Nutty Putty was very characteristic of a hypogenic cave. Temperatures inside the cave stayed at about 55 degrees Fahrenheit, which is 12.7 degrees Celsius and it stayed this way all year round. The most recognizable characteristic of the cave was the strangely viscous clay oozing from some of its walls, 
which the cave's first explorer, a man named Dale Green, compared to Nutty Putty, which is the original product name for what later came to be called Silly Putty. And like Silly Putty, the clay would change from a solid to an elastic, almost liquid consistency when lightly squeezed. The clay was even described as sound active, meaning that if you yelled at it, it would ooze and move. Analyses done on the clay in the 1960s found that it was composed of tiny particles of silicon dioxide, which is the main component of sand, at a size of about roughly 3 microns in diameter. In spite of the obvious dangers inherent in any cave system, Nutty Putty was at first considered to be a relatively safe cave for novice spelunkers, and it attracted thousands of visitors per year. It would only be a matter of time before that designation as a safe cave would be dispelled. Most of the people going to Nutty Putty were first-timers, and they put themselves into situations that more prudent people would probably have avoided. From 1999 to 2004, six different people became stuck in the narrow, winding passages of Nutty Putty. It's not for no reason that three of the cave's tightest squeezes are called the Helmet Eater, the Scout Eater, and the Birth Canal. All six of those trapped cavers made it out of Nutty Putty alive, but the local sheriff's office and search and rescue crews grew tired of making regular trips out to pull tourists from the cave, and they worried that the next accident would be fatal. Concerns mounted in 2005 after the tragic drowning deaths of four young Utahns in a nearby cave on Y Mountain. In that case, two young men and two young women, couples, had gone into a cave which had a known water-filled passageway which led from one dry room to another dry room containing air which could hold several people. The underwater passageway was narrow and was in pitch blackness. The four young people had made it safely, moving from one chamber through the passageway to the other chamber, but had all four drowned on the way back towards the chamber nearest the cave entrance. Their bodies were found stacked one behind the other in the narrow passageway, and it was surmised that the first person in the tunnel, one of the girls, had either become trapped or disoriented in the blackness and had caused a blockage of the tunnel, which in turn led to the deaths of those behind. 
as well as causing her own death. But let's get back to Nutty Putty. In 2006, an effort was put forth to study and severely limit the number of visitors allowed inside the cave. It was estimated the cave was receiving over 5,000 visitors per year, with many of those often entering the cave late at night and failing to take proper safety precautions. The cave's popularity had caused excessive smoothing of the rock inside the cave to the point where it was predicted a fatality would occur and one of the cave's more prominent features, a 45-degree room called the Big Slide. On May 24, 2006, a gate was installed and the cave was temporarily closed. In early 2009, proper management was established and an application process was developed to ensure safety precautions were being met in cave exploration. On May 18th of 2009, the cave was reopened to the public. One of those suffocating passages I just mentioned, the birth canal, or at least what was thought to be the birth canal, will play a tragic part in our story. John Edward Jones had done a lot of cave exploration with his family as a kid. The family were ardent spelunkers and had shared their love of caves with their kids. But at the time John decided to enter the Nutty Putty Cave with his family, he had not been in a cave for many years. His once childish frame, slender and flexible, had now matured into a six foot, 200 pounds. John and his family and friends entered the Nutty Putty Cave at around 8 p.m. on the evening of November 24, 2009. The group divided themselves into two groups with the children and a few adults to watch them, exploring the less dangerous, more accessible parts of the cave. The other adults decided to explore the more challenging parts of the cave. This was the first time John Edward Jones had ever set foot in the Nutty Putty Cave, and he would never leave it. The adult group which included John, wandered around the caves and were having a good time exploring some of the larger rooms and venturing off into some of the smaller squeezes. John had heard about an exceptionally narrow passageway, one of the most difficult squeezes in the cave. It was appropriately named the birth canal. This was a passageway that was known to be navigable, but only barely, and required skill and raw nerve to attempt. This intrigued John, and he and his brother Josh decided that they wanted to try to navigate 
the birth canal. At this time in 2009, the Nutty Putty Cave had not been fully mapped. Partial maps were available, but many simply showed passages that abruptly ended in mystery as they had proven either too narrow or had vertical drops which precluded proper mapping. The Nutty Putty Cave had been sealed off in 2006 for safety concerns and had only recently been reopened. So John Edward Jones would be one of a few who had been back in the cave since it was opened again. John and Josh set off in search of the birth canal and after a bit, John thought he had identified the opening which led into the treacherous transition. He headed down the narrow passage where the claustrophobia-inducing conditions forced John to use his fingertips to propel himself deeper and deeper into the passage. At this point, John knew that he was becoming trapped and he had absolutely nowhere to turn. He couldn't turn himself around in the passage. He couldn't back himself out the way he'd come in. His only alternative was to try to move forward, which was also nearly impossible. John now knew he was stuck, so he exhaled all the air from his lungs in hope of flattening out his body to squeeze through the impossibly small passage. At this point, the space was only 10 inches wide and 18 inches tall. When John inhaled again, trying to get his breath, he became fully stuck as the expanding of his lungs had wedged him in fully. John was now in a life or death situation. John's younger brother, Josh, was able to reach John's legs and he tried in vain to pull him back by tugging on his calves. But in a tragic change of events, John managed to slide even further into the shaft. And it only got worse as John had slid into a small vertical shaft toward which he'd originally been heading, thinking it led towards the exit of the birth canal. He was now stuck upside down at a 70 degree angle with his head below his feet, which had caught painfully on the roof of the overhang, which he'd slid over into. In addition, he now had one hand trapped under him and one hand over his head and could not move in any way to help himself or ease his suffering. What John and Josh didn't know is that they had never been in the birth canal at all. They had mistakenly entered one of the uncharted parts of the cave that couldn't be explored because of the dangers it had presented. One of the rescuers later said, as cavers, that's one of the things that we're taught not to do. 
go head first into a tight squeeze going downward. Had he been oriented the other way, it's my opinion, he would have gotten out. John Edward Jones was a devout Mormon, and he began to pray for deliverance and pray that he could get out and see his wife and kids again. John's brother Josh made his way out of the cave seeking help. It took him more than an hour to work his way back to the entrance and to sound the alarm that his brother was trapped and in great peril. It took another hour to get people and equipment out to the cave, but the rescue attempt had begun. The first rescuer to reach John was a woman named Susie Matola. She arrived at about 12.30 a.m. on November 25th to find Josh in his undeniably terrible predicament. All that Susie Matola was able to see of John was his blue and black running shoes as he was lodged head down in the sloping near vertical shaft. She introduced herself to John and he politely said, Hi Susie, thanks for coming, but I really, really want to get out. John had now been trapped more than three and a half hours upside down. Over the next 24 hours, more than 100 rescuers worked frantically to free John Edward Jones from the Nutty Putty Cave. Because of the way he was trapped, he could not be forcefully pulled out of the shaft without breaking both of his legs. When all other efforts had been exhausted, it was decided to try to rig a system of pulleys by which John could be raised incrementally while other rescuers drilled and tried to remove rock from the shaft to widen it. One of the rescuers on the scene, Sean Roundy, explained the difficulties everyone, even seasoned cavers, faced getting down into Nutty Putty Cave. Most passages are dangerously narrow, even at the entrance, where warning signs are posted. Roundy further explained, it was very narrow, very awkward and difficult to get rescuers down there. In 2004, in the same area of Nutty Putty Cave, where John was now trapped, two Boy Scouts nearly lost their lives in separate incidents. The two Boy Scouts were trapped within a week of each other. In one instance, it took rescuers 14 hours using a complex series of pulleys to free a 16-year-old Boy Scout who weighed only 140 pounds and was 5 feet 7, much shorter and lighter than John. The pulley system that had finally freed the Boy Scout was similar to what was now being used to try to free John Edward Jones. Fifteen pulleys were required for the rescue effort. 
At first, the pulley system seemed to be working out. After hours of setting up the complicated system of pulleys and ropes, the rescuers managed to pull John up a little bit at a time. Things were looking very promising, and at one point, an IV was able to be begun on John so that he could be fed through the intravenous tube. It looked like John Edward Jones was finally going to get out of his hellish entrapment and see the light of day again. At some point, a small microphone was lowered down to John so that he could communicate with his wife and daughter who were anxiously waiting for the return of their husband and father outside the cave entrance. And then tragedy struck. Suddenly, and without warning, one of the pulleys being used to hoist John up was unable to bear the strain and broke free from its mooring position in the cave wall. The heavy pulley struck the nearest rescuer in the face, knocking him unconscious. John immediately fell down into the shaft in which he'd been trapped for almost 24 hours. Only this time, he'd actually slid in even further than before, and his condition had worsened exponentially. The pulley system was abandoned, and it was now clear that John Edward Jones could not be extricated from Nutty Putty Cave. Despite the heroic efforts to save him, John Edward Jones died of cardiac arrest and suffocation due to his inverted entrapment putting tremendous pressure on his body organs, especially his heart, lungs, and brain. John's death occurred just before midnight on the day after Thanksgiving. John had been trapped upside down for more than 27 hours and he had lost his fight to survive. It was ultimately decided that it was just too dangerous to try to retrieve John's body. An agreement was made between the person who owned the property on which the cave was located and the Jones family that John would remain inside the cave and that it would become his tomb. He had walked in, but he would never, ever come out. A week after his tragic death, the cave was permanently sealed using explosives and concrete. In addition, a memorial plaque was placed at the entrance to the cave in John's honor. In 2016, a film titled The Last Descent was made based on John's entrapment and the subsequent rescue attempts. That's it for this episode. Our release schedule is Mondays and Thursdays, twice a week. Please hit the follow button 
and subscribe to this channel. Join us next time, and remember, you never know what circumstances might transport you into your darkest nightmare. Darkest Nightmare is researched and written by Zane Rankin and hosted by yours truly, Grandpappy. The audio you just heard might contain copyrighted material. Such material is made available for educational purposes only. This constitutes a fair use of any such copyrighted material as provided for in the Title 17 USC Section 106A-117 of the U.S. Copyright Law.